Dunks and Dimes is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. I was just on Game Time app just the other day looking at Apple Cup tickets. That's the Washington-Washington State game, which is a big deal up in the Pacific Northwest where I'm from, and they had lots of tickets available, and the cool thing about it is you just click in on the game, and it just starts showing you nice color pictures, uh, photos of the stadium from the perspective of the seat uh, of the tickets being advertised. So it's just right there. You look at them. If you like one of them, just click, boom, two taps away, and you got yourself some tickets to the Apple Cup. So uh, pretty cool feature, very uh, slick app, definitely. So if you're into sports, music, uh, theater, Check out the Game Time app. It's simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in Google Play or the App Store and score last-minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Hello and welcome to the Dunks and Dimes Fantasy Hoops Podcast. I'm Brandon Funston, your host, joined as always by Eric Wong, a.k.a. Roto Evil. He is the, our fantasy hoops expert at The Athletic. Uh, you can check out his stuff on the fantasy basketball site on The Athletic. You can follow him at Roto Evil. He also has the RotoEvil.com website, which is indispensable uh, fantasy advice leading up to the season. You definitely want to follow along during the season there as well. Uh, you can follow me at Brandon Funston. And if you want a subscription to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com backslash dunks and dimes for 40% off. A subscription will allow you to check out all of our NBA podcasts, including No Dunks, Back to Back, Hoops Adjacent with David Aldridge, and The Daily Ding. We have several great team-specific NBA podcasts there as well, so check that out. All right, we're a month into the season so far, and... I think after a month, you can say the identity of teams are starting to show themselves. And Eric, that's uh, something you kind of looked at this week. Now that we've got a bunch of games under our belts, as what uh, you know, what kind of makes up these teams? And you took eight key metrics to look at and applied them to all the different teams, and kind of came up with your own ranking system. Uh, that being the most ripe environments across the league in terms of promoting fantasy basketball value. And you wrote about that this week uh, on the website. So you can check out the entire article. It's a top 10 of the best uh, teams in the league for guys to get fantasy points. And your number one team was the Milwaukee Bucks. Spoiler alert. Uh, but we're going to be talking about all these 10 teams. So it's time to dive into this. Uh, Eric, why don't you explain uh, your scoring system here and how it led you to the Milwaukee Bucks? Sure. So, uh, yeah, I figure we have a large enough sample size now to kind of look into the uh, team stats. And obviously, um, pace factor is an important one. You don't want a team that's uh, slowing down, playing half court. Obviously, more possessions is beneficial. So we look at pace factor kind of tied into that is points per game, although kind of medium paced teams can still be ranking in the, the top 10 in points per game if they're efficient enough. Uh, so we looked at three-pointers made. Obviously, a three-point ball is a big element of today's game. And then I factored in effective field goal percentage instead of just regular field goal percentage because that's kind of a combination of 
field goal percentage and three point percentage. Obviously, if uh, you know, there are lots of teams out there that shoot a lot of threes, but don't necessarily shoot the shoot them well, and that will drag down the team's uh, field goal percentage and uh, players' field goal percentage as well if they're not efficient. And of course, uh, assists is important. You want uh, teams that that pass the ball, share the ball. And then, of course, rebound, steals, blocks, your typical standard fantasy categories we're looking at as well. So I'm guessing uh, this team with Giannis basically dominating the ball and playing at an MVP level probably uh, doesn't grade too high on the assist uh, scale, but uh, very well in all the other things that you're talking about there. Right. I mentioned that in the article is that they're just kind of middle of the pack in assists right now. Um, they were 15th at the time of the uh, – when I wrote the article, but let's see how many they had last night because what I talked about in the article is a big part of that is that their three-point shooting has been a little bit worse than expected because they have made it a point to surround Giannis with lots of three-point shooters. Um, so using yesterday as an example, they shot 16 for 43 on threes over 37 percent and they had 32 assists right so they had lots of assists because those threes were falling and uh yeah what makes the bucks so so unique is that they really don't have a second star chris middleton is kind of the closest thing but i wouldn't maybe consider him a, a real star and plus he's injured right now and you know what they've done is surround Giannis with a bunch of role players who are know their role and are able to step up and when guys go down as we're seeing with Chris Middleton out right now that other players are able to step up so you have Dante DiVincenzo who's moved into the starting lineup has been playing well last night he uh filled in with 16 points six rebounds two threes and you have guys that just can get hot on any given night Wes Matthews was four for seven on threes last night Pat Connaughton chipped in 18 points, four rebounds, two threes, and just 22 minutes off the bench. And uh, they have several guys, and that kind of makes it tricky for fantasy purposes because different guys kind of step up every night. But uh, if you can if you can pick the right one, it's uh, it's a good team to target for those uh, end of roster or just yeah you know daily fantasy pickups when someone's hurt stuff like that. So I'm I'm curious if you were to do the same exercise, uh, if you'd done it at the very end of the last regular season last year, uh, where do you think Milwaukee would have netted out on this list? I don't remember if they were if they were uh, playing at such a fast pace last year. Okay, yeah, I'm just uh, it's it's curious when you you lose Brogdon and you're kind of leaning more on Giannis if that's actually improved their their fantasy environment uh, a bit. But. Yeah, I'm looking. They they were second in pace last year, and I guess that that kind of um, Surprise me because you know they are a, a very good defensive team as well, but that just shows why they are uh, <laughs> have been such a such a good team and um, how great Giannis is on both ends of the ball. Yeah, so they probably would have been one of the top teams, and uh, another team that would have been one of the top teams, and you know, it's no surprise to kind of be at the top of your list is the Houston Rockets. They kind of are the advanced analytics team. Uh, they play with pace. They shoot three three balls. They've been doing this for a little while now, and they kind of have a similar makeup where it's uh, where it's James Harden and, and everybody else. But so they're your number two. How close were they to the Milwaukee Bucks? Yeah, you definitely had to consider them a, a strong 
make, making a strong case for number one. They're leading the league in points, top three in pace. Of course, they're shooting more threes and making more threes than any other team. They're pretty good. They're top 10 in rebounds, steals, and blocks. But uh, I, I put them at number two because they're bottom five in assists. And that's kind of been a thing under Mike D'Antoni. It's, this is the third straight season. They're bottom five in assists. And, you know, a big part of that is James Harden just playing the, the isolation, dribbling so much, and uh, taking so much of that offensive responsibility on his shoulders. And, you know, it's, it's worked for them, at least in the regular seasons. It's very effective. Um, yet to see if they can get further in the playoffs using that style of play. But, yeah, so because of their uh, lack of sharing the ball and lack of assist, I, I put them at two. But this is a great uh, a case of of why I wrote this article, and um, you know, you everyone knows about James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Clint Capella. When he's healthy, should be locked in lineups. But then you have the the forward duo of PJ Tucker and Daniel House, and both guys are off to great starts this season. Uh, they're both making over two threes per game. Tucker is shooting over forty seven percent on threes. House is a uh, right behind at uh, 46%. And you know what you what you would want to consider is would those guys be playing as well and shooting the three ball so well if they were on a worse team and if they weren't playing with Harden and Westbrook setting them up with open threes, right? And the answer right. is probably no. They I don't think they would be uh nearly as reliable or as effective on lesser teams. And so that's a great example of uh how you want to target uh, guys that are on strong offenses where it's just easier for them to fill their role as supporting players. One thing I want to ask you about the Rockets before we move on to the next team is, uh, okay, so we're a month into the season. What, how would you grade the chemistry relationship, how the marriage between uh, Westbrook and Harden is going so far if you had to give it a, a letter grade a month into the season? I think it's going pretty well. I mean, uh Maybe I'll give it a, a B plus. Uh, Westbrook still needs to work on his three point shooting, and that is going to be probably the biggest issue. But I see. But uh, otherwise, I think it's working out pretty well. They're you know they're taking turns, but they're also uh, kind of incorporating each other uh, pretty well. And um, I mean, Harden is just playing at such an elite level that uh, yeah, teams teams are kind of. Allowing him to score, um, I guess that makes more sense than giving up a Capella dunk, but they should probably start uh, forcing Westbrook <laughs> into more threes considering uh, how much he struggles uh, from that distance. Yeah, I remember him struggling early on last year as well, and he kind of got going a little bit later. Maybe he'll follow the same track. Uh, we'll see on that. But uh, the next team on your list is a team you absolutely love as a, as the editor of your columns. Um Every time you write about the New Orleans Pelicans, I can just feel your excitement for that team. And so uh, maybe a surprise from you know the beginning of the year to talk about a month into the season, the Pelicans are number three on your list, but you've been seeing this coming for a while now. So why don't you uh, tell us what you like about the Pelicans? Right. Uh, what is so impressive about them is that I kind of expected them to be scoring a lot of points, of course, playing at a fast pace, um, sharing the ball getting lots of threes, but it's been impressive because they've done this without Zion Williamson. They've done this with 
guys going in and out of the lineup. Several guys have missed uh, games with injuries, and so they've already used 12 different guys in their starting lineup, almost a different starting lineup every game, it seems like. And uh, all their guys are stepping up off the bench. Uh, They're shooting the three ball really well. Uh, Yesterday was a great example. They shot 16 for 35 on threes, over 45%. From deep, uh, over thirty, over fifty-three percent from the field, scored one hundred twenty-four points, twenty-eight assists. Of course, that did come against the Suns, but the Suns have actually been a pretty good defensive team this year. But uh, they just really share the ball. They they really whip it around on the perimeter, and no, they don't really have any selfish players on that team. And uh, you know, yesterday JJ Redick was hot. They kept finding him, and. Uh, when, when Zion does come back, that team is just going to be that much more dangerous, that much harder to guard, and uh, it's a very explosive and efficient offense. If you're an NBA GM, would you rather be the GM of the Lakers or the Pelicans right now? Oh, I love what the Pelicans are doing. I think David Griffin is a great GM. I like how they targeted him, and he took on that role, and he's he's totally changed the shape of that franchise. Uh, that that seems like a, a fun environment, and I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd pick the pelicans for sure yeah they look like their future is very bright so maybe a win-win and the pelicans have a nice uh you know extended future ahead and and the lakers have a have a nice win now window uh with anthony davis there so lots of pressure there too though (laughs) yeah no doubt no doubt i think lebron is used to the pressure i don't know about anthony davis we'll see but uh lebron is certainly uh comfortable in that world but uh, you mentioned the suns um as a team kind of like, Oh, it was against the Suns, but now we kind of have to look at the Suns a little bit different. They're actually fourth on your list. And I am guessing this is another one of those, uh, you wouldn't have maybe expected it coming into the season, but the Suns are actually a 500 team right now. And, uh, they're number four on your list. So let's talk about the Suns. Yeah. I mean, I feel like maybe some people, uh, underestimated the Ricky Rubio effect. He's, he's done wonders for that team, especially offensively. They're leading the league in assists and, He's just a great, great veteran that uh, gets guys on the same page and is very unselfish. Uh, and Aaron Baines gets deserves a lot of credit for filling in without DeAndre Ayton. Uh, they uh, top ten in pace, uh, rank sixth in points per game, seventh in threes per game. Monty Williams deserves some credit there too for uh, kind of uh, modernizing their offense. Uh, Kelly Oubre Jr. has been a, a fantastic player to start the season uh, on both ends of the ball. And, uh, yeah, they have they have some weapons, and especially when Aiton comes back, uh, he's going to help them out in the paint. That's that's kind of been their, their biggest weakness is uh, rebounding and protecting the rim. So if, if Aiton comes back hungry uh, to prove himself after this suspension, they're definitely looking like a top team. Yeah, Aiton teased us with uh, 11 rebounds, four blocks in his one game, shot 64% from the field. Certainly, that would give that team a good boost, and it's uh, you know it's pretty impressive that they've been able to get into your top four uh, without him for pretty much every game except for the, the first one. So uh, next one on your list, um, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, again, uh, you know maybe not the, the teams you're expecting, but Carl uh, Anthony Towns is having an absolute career year, a MVP level year, and here the Timberwolves are in the top five. Yeah, Minnesota's definitely been a surprise team. They're playing with lots of pace, uh, second in the league in pace factor right now, fourth in points per game. 
top four in both steals and blocks. So that shows how they're using their youth and athleticism to try and cause turnovers, get out and transition. And it's been uh, huge for Andrew Wiggins. The guy's having a breakout year, career year. And, uh, you know, lots of people had written him off and he was still he's still very young. And uh, it shows how you don't want to uh, label a guy too quickly or just uh, write a guy off too quickly because they can figure things out. And it seems like uh, that's happening to him this year. And he's he's having a great season. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, no doubt he is. Um, all right. Well, that's our top five. Before we get to our second five, Eric, I got to talk about Stock X. Have you ever wondered how to get the hottest new sneakers, the ones that barely hit the shelves? The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% sneakers, streetwear, watches, and handbags. Millions are already using StockX to find everything after it sells out, from the latest Yeezys to every retro Jordan to the hottest new streetwear from brands like Supreme, Palace, and Kith. Looking to add the Air Jordan 1 Fearless UNC Chicago to your rotation? Or maybe you're feeling nostalgic for a pair of Air Max 95s. You can find it all and more on StockX, sometimes even for prices lower than retail. And I think on the last pod, I mentioned I wasn't going to talk about this site around my 13-year-old son because he's into all the retro Nikes. And he's he's got a shelf in his room that has a bunch of them there that he barely wears, but he just looks at and admires and I. I was like, okay, I'm just going to ask him if he knows about StockX. And he's like, oh, yeah, I totally know about StockX. And I was telling him that I'm talking about it on our podcast. And he thought that was pretty impressive. So he knows about it. He goes on there and, and wishes and dreams about uh, about the shoes that are on there. He's a 13-year-old kid. Uh, and as I said, he's well aware of it. And you should be, too, if you're into that kind of stuff. If you're into the, the cool retro stuff and whatever's hot right now and you want in on all that hype, check out StockX.com backslash bball for a surprise offer that won't be around long. That's stockx.com backslash bball. Check it out today. All right, Eric, it's time to check out our second uh, of the second five of your top 10 most lucrative fantasy environments in the NBA. And again, another team that might have been a surprise uh, at this point, you know, going back to the preseason expectations, that's the Washington Wizards. We know about Bradley Beal is having a, a great year, but uh, Getting good minutes from guys like Isaiah Thomas, uh, Thomas Bryant, uh, and here they are, number six on your list. Let's talk about the Wizards. Right, the Wizards uh, haven't won a bunch of games, but they've been very competitive, uh, more competitive than most people expected them to be. And again, it's a team playing with lots of pace, uh, lots of younger players scoring a whole bunch of points. They're leading the league in points allowed, but you know, for fantasy purposes, that just it means it's a good matchup to to play your guys against, and that they're gonna both teams are probably gonna score a lot of points. Uh, they also rank second in assists, so they're sharing the ball as well. Uh, it's another team that is kind of hurting on the interior. They're bottom five in rebounds and blocks, and they don't get a lot of steals either. But, uh, you know, they're all just they're about the the scoring. And uh, one of the interesting things with that team that I've noticed, however, is that Bradley Beal seems to kind of be sleepwalking in the first half. So I'm kind of watching him. He doesn't seem that engaged. And then in the second half, he just kind of remembers that uh, they're trying to win the game. (laughs) And then he just uh, explodes in the second half and starts uh, playing for real. So I'm not sure if that's a case of him trying to get guys more involved or if uh, something else is going on there, but something I've noticed. And uh, yeah, they have a lot of good three-point shooters and uh, 
I'm hoping uh, Hachimura starts to get more minutes because like that kid is uh, pretty impressive athletically and has does some does some nice things. I think his stats will improve as the season goes on. But it's it's a good fantasy environment for sure. I'm curious on Isaiah Thomas just because he's been you know in and out of lineups uh, so much, dealing with injuries. He's actually uh, playing pretty well. You know, you mentioned as like the secondary options to Beal that Isaiah Thomas and Thomas Bryant are the guys. And I'm how how confident do you feel in Isaiah Thomas in terms of rest of season value, his ability to hold up, his ability to continue to produce in this lineup going forward? Is he somebody that? Um, you know, that fantasy owners can rely on and feel comfortable with? Are you just kind of happy to get what you can get from him while he's out there? Yeah, no, he's, he's playing well and he, he's, he seems healthy on the floor. Um, but yeah, it's a case where if he did suffer a minor injury, maybe, you know, I wouldn't be too worried about dropping him and replacing him because it's not like his stats have been that elite, but uh, otherwise I, I'd say he's, he's looking pretty reliable yeah, I'd say he's a solid hold right now, but at the same time, his ceiling might not be as high as it was in years past. So this is a little self-serving. I, I'm a University of Washington fan, so I, you know, any chance oh, I can okay. get to have you expound <laughs> on somebody from the U, I, I'll take it. So <laughs> let's move on to the next team on your list, number seven, and and spoiler alert: one of two LA teams is going to show up on this list. Uh, this team being the LA Clippers. We've seen a little bit of Kawhi and Paul George together. Uh, not a lot, but even still, they've been good enough to be number seven on your list. Uh, what, how have you, uh, how have you liked what you've seen so far uh, with George and Leonard playing together? Right. So I caught uh, that, that game versus the Celtics and it was very uh, intense, competitive game. Obviously their, their stats weren't that great, but that's, kind of because it felt like a playoff game. They're going against a tough Boston defense. And uh, I think uh, once they start going against easier teams, those the stats are going to start looking more juicy. Uh, the Clippers' team stats actually aren't that great thus far, but I think uh, I put them at number seven because I definitely see those team stats trending up now that George is back. Um, for example, they haven't made a ton of threes uh they haven't gotten many steals and obviously that's those are two areas where george is excellent and of course Kawhi has missed some games as well so uh definitely uh the clippers are a team on the rise and where you really see uh they're they're uh, efficient and um strong offense helping guys out is with their big men montrez harrell and zubach have just been extremely effective. And uh, that offense just creates so many easy looks for those guys, and they're very talented as well. Those two are combining for uh, 27.8 points, 14.4 rebounds, 3.5 assists, 2.6 blocks, and both of them are shooting over 60% from the field. And they're doing that, doing that in less than 46 minutes per game from the center spot. Uh, so I definitely I think those two guys are... Uh, Playing, playing very well, especially on a permanent basis, and uh, are showing uh, what a strong offense can do for for big guys. Yeah, well, talking about two guys playing very well um, together, your number eight team on the list is Dallas Mavericks. You have Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic, and, and Doncic's you know probably in the on the short list for MVP discussion as well. As I said, they're number eight. Uh, 
So in this world, who else do you like on these Mavericks besides those two? And why don't you talk about the Mavericks a bit? Right. So uh, the Mavericks, you have to put them in the top 10. Just just based on Luka alone, what he's doing is is really amazing start to the season. And the scary thing is that he's shooting just 31% from three. And so his stats could be that... <laughs> That much more impressive if he were shooting the ball better from three, but his uh, two-point accuracy is way up, his free throw percentage is way up, and he's just dominating offensively. The team is still struggling uh, on defense, and uh, they're playing at a slower pace, so it's not the best of fantasy environments, and Rick Carlisle really isn't helping fantasy owners out either. He's tried several different starting lineups, and... uh, Doncic and Porzingis are the only guys playing 28 plus minutes every night. They have a whole bunch of guys playing in the low 20s, high teens, and that kind of hurts everyone's fantasy value when everyone's kind of sharing the rest of the minutes and you don't know who's going to get that chance to step up. And so that's that's why I said there's they don't really have any go, any other guys that are reliable, um but they do have you know, a deep rotation that is capable of having big games. It's just really tricky knowing who's going to step up uh, on a given game. You talk about that, like, just it's hard to know. I, I just want to segue for a second out of this because it was just something that I've, in the last, you know, 12 hours, I kind of noticed I was on Yahoo just looking at the guys that have been added most recently, um, most prominently most recently. And I was looking at the uh, small forward position. And let's see, one, two, three. Four of the top like eight small forwards being added are all on Portland. So you had Rodney Hood, Kent Bazemore, uh, Nazir Little, and Carmelo Anthony. Uh, I'm just curious, <laughs> what are people doing there? Is there really going to be enough value uh, to have four different small forwards on the Trailblazers' uh, <laughs> return <laughs> return fantasy value? That seems unlikely. Uh, <laughs> I know. That's my <laughs> thought, too. Like, who are we betting on of, of those four? Well, Melo has, uh, you know, I've definitely watched him closely the past two games, and I'd say it's a mixed bag. Um, maybe he's played a little bit better than I expected, but I'm still not convinced that that's a solution for them. And a big reason for that is that uh, Damian Lillard has missed the past two games, right? So. Isolation mellow works, I guess, if Lillard's not playing, but I don't see how that's going to be uh, how, why they would want to do to do that, featuring mellow as, as an ISO score when Lillard's in the game when you could just put the ball in Lillard's hands. Um, I don't see that being as effective, and obviously he's kind of hurting them. On defense, although he had a nice box out, on Giannis last night that impressed me because that dude's not easy to box out. But, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting because I do think uh, part of the reason Melo went there is because they said he could start being the starting lineup. And in my opinion, they'd be better off with an athletic energy guy like Nasir Little. And so what's what's going to happen if uh <laughs> if portland decides that they'd rather bring mellow off the bench will he be able to accept that and uh it's a situation to watch closely but i'm still not convinced on mellow 
and uh, <laughs> we'll see how that turns out. Yeah, he probably should accept it if he's interested in continuing his NBA career. But uh, all right, thanks for uh, appeasing my little segue on the Blazers. There. I just thought that was funny. Uh, and it kind of leads us into the Raptors, who are your number nine team on this list. Of course, they've lost Kawhi Leonard. Uh, Pascal Siakam's obviously stepped up, but this is kind of more of an ensemble cast than uh, maybe any other team on this list. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, what are you seeing good about the Raptors right now? Yeah, so the season started off uh, with Nick Nurse having a very short rotation, playing uh, his his main guys huge minutes. Kyle Lowry was, I think, top three in, in minutes played uh, to start the season, and then he got hurt. And then Serge Ibaka got hurt as well, and that's kind of forced Nick Nurse to play more guys. But we've seen we've seen guys step up. So Rondé Hollis Jefferson has been playing well lately, and uh, to me, they're a very fun team to watch. They're all they're all on the same page. They're very aggressive defensively. They're not necessarily great at uh, protecting the rim or uh, blocking shots because Ibaka's been out. But they definitely swarm guys when they get into the paint. They're forcing um, uh, role players to beat them as opposed to the superstars. So I just like the way they play. And uh, obviously Fred Van Vliet is having an awesome season. And, uh, you know, you see some of their role players step up when they get the chance. Uh, Norman Powell has had some nice games. Chris Boucher has had some nice games. So there's a a fun, fun environment and a fun team to watch. I agree. I think it's hard not to root for them, especially after you lose Kawhi, uh, that they're still... They're still playing well and, uh, you know, like probably a hard team to hate. Unlike uh, the last team on your list, the L.A. Lakers, who are a little bit more polarizing. Uh, I think you either love LeBron or you or you don't. Um, but uh, with Anthony Davis in tow, they clock in at number 10 on your list. So when you talk about the Lakers. Sure. So I think what you're seeing with the Lakers' strengths are just solely based on Anthony Davis and LeBron James. They're uh, leading the league in blocks, and obviously you have Davis, Dwight Howard, DeVille McGee for why that is. A very scary team to drive into the paint with those guys around there. And then they're fourth in assist, eighth in effective field goal percentage. Obviously LeBron is excellent at getting his teammates involved, and because uh he can create easy looks around the basket. They're an efficient offense. But at the same time, they're middle of the pack in points per game. They're actually bottom 10 in pace factor, not making many threes. And so it's, it's an interesting team. Uh, you know, they do have guys like Danny Green who can get hot from outside and uh, have those big games. Kyle Kuzma, the same thing. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely more of a... AD and LeBron show uh, kind of carrying the team and the only reason why I put them in the top 10. So that's your top 10. And probably I'm guessing we'll be looking at some, some bottom feeders next week. Uh, are you, are you on board with that? Is that what your, what your plan is? Yeah, we could, we could do that. Um, haven't decided yet, but maybe we don't want to, we don't want to know all 10 of the, of the worst teams out there, but maybe uh, <laughs> worth mentioning the ones that you really, really, really kind of want to steer clear of. So uh, look forward to that, but that we're going to move on. And this is called kind of burying the lead uh, because we got to talk about Nikola Vucevic uh, with the Orlando magic. He sprained his ankle and is going to miss four weeks. And this is a guy that's giving you 17 points 
about 12 rebounds, three and a half assists, and a block. He's been a you know a very valuable fantasy commodity. He is out, Eric. So with him being out, who benefits on this Magic roster? Right. So this is a, a scenario that is related to what you're saying about talking about the bottom teams, right? Because Orlando is dead last in points per game and uh, field goal percentage, three-point percentage. They're barely making 30% of their threes. So it's been a pretty ugly offense. They've been defensive-oriented team. And uh, Nikola Vucevic is kind of a hub of their offense as well, right? He's You can kind right. of feed it to him in the low post, and he's a good passing big man as well. So uh, this is going to be interesting to see how the team uh, how the team evolves now at center. They uh, gave Ken Birch most of the minutes after Vooch went down, but then you also have Mo Bamba, and it's tough to say which guy is the better pickup there because I was just going to ask you that. So go ahead, yeah, tell me who would you pick up if they're both sitting there on the waiver wire? Who would you grab if you had to pick one? Well, it's. I think they're going to give Birch that that starting job. Uh, he is the more developed player, but at the same time, I think they would love to see Mo Bamba step up and kind of earn the earn that bulk of those minutes and kind of take over. But he needs to prove it. They're just not going to hand him those minutes, right? And he does have more, Bamba. I would say Bamba does have more fantasy upside as well. So I'd kind of uh, definitely going to be watching their next game closely to see how that pans out. I actually see the other guys really benefiting. So Jonathan Isaac uh, will get a chance to show uh, if he can be a featured scorer or not. He's kind of been just a supplementary player thus far, and yet he can still post awesome uh, fantasy stats in that role. And if he could step up his scoring, then that would uh, be a big boost for him. Aaron Gordon is kind of a, been up and down, struggled with his shot early on. So this will help him get going, hopefully. Markel Fultz, of course, too. We'll get to see him take on a bigger role. And then a guy that's uh, had a nice season last year and has been dropped in some leagues that I think is going to heat up and uh, be worth owning again now is Terrence Ross because uh, he'll start getting more shots. And that guy is a very uh, explosive scorer when he gets the chance to be. You mentioned Jonathan Isaac, and uh, he was a subject of a dynasty piece by Sam Macy. He roped uh, Sam Macy's our Kiwi and dynasty expert uh, at The Athletic. He's been the guy that's been writing some of the dynasty stuff that we do, and he roped in you and Enosaurus for a a roundtable discussion and kind of pitting two guys against each other. Who would you rather have going forward? And he had... Jonathan Isaac versus uh, Ben Simmons. And uh, so uh, I was editing the column and you had mentioned, I think it was you that mentioned that Ben Simmons had just hit his first three pointer the other night of his NBA career. And I had to, I I did a double take on that because I didn't even really realize that I knew he wasn't a great shooter, but I did not realize that he, in all of his NBA games, he had never hit a, a three pointer. So He just hit a three-pointer, but it seemed like, uh, you know, in this comparison between Isaac and Simmons, um, the people that were going away from Simmons just don't think that he's going to be able to develop into a respectable shooter from distance. Uh, And I I, actually, I'm right now kind of forgetting where you landed on it, but I think you are willing to give him more time. You talk about that a lot. Players develop. They're not always who we paint them to be early on, and, and you're kind of in that camp on Simmons. Am I right? 
Right. So, yeah, like using the Andrew Wiggins example, I believe this is like his sixth season maybe or at least his fifth season. And, you know, he's he's finally figuring things out. Brandon Ingram has been in the league a few years. And so it just takes guys, uh, you know, some time to figure things out. Ben Simmons, I think it's going to be an issue of how badly does he want to to be uh, a star and it, does he want to be a true star or not? Because uh, the guy, the guy that I, the two players that I mentioned for him were uh, Jason Kidd and Rajon Rondo. And if he doesn't improve that shot, then I kind of viewed him as having a career as basically a larger version of Rondo. And, um, which when you know, at Rondo's best, it's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, Rondo's borderline all-star for, for, uh, few years and uh you know did win a title an effective player but just not a true superstar not a hall of famer and uh you know whereas jason kidd really worked on his outside shot became uh you know 80 plus percent shooter from the free throw line so even if simmons doesn't become you know making making two two plus threes per game he at least needs to be somewhat effective from deep and he needs definitely needs to improve his free throw shooting because I think that's one of the biggest things holding his game back is that not only is he shooting the ball poorly from the line, but lots of times he doesn't attack and he just shows a lack of aggression and trying to score because he doesn't want to go to the free throw line because he doesn't have um, the confidence to knock those down. And I think that really holds him back. But uh, I do think he still has the higher upside for dynasty because the ball is in his hands, right? Like the guys, it takes a very special player to be elite when the ball is not in your hands. So we're talking about like Anthony Davis, right? right. But, but uh, the ball should be in Ben Simmons hands all the time moving forward. And if he does make the improvements, I, I, I say he still, he, he still has the higher upside, but uh, Isaac is definitely uh, opening some eyes this year with his uh, all-around versatility, especially on the defensive end. And that's why I was saying it's going to be very interesting to see if he can show that he has that 20-plus point scoring ability or not uh, now that Vucevic is out. I think we'll get the chance to see if he, if he has that in his game. Like we feel like he does. We feel like he's all about upside. Uh, it's just a matter of kind of refining things and and, and tapping into that. Uh, where where are you where are you kind of landing on that? Are you betting that he can be a sort of consistent twenty point scorer like down the road in the next couple seasons? Would start to see that happening. I would need to see uh, to need to see him prove that first before I'm uh, ready to say that. All right. Well, let's let's uh before we wrap up, let's just uh reach into the mailbag here and again, if you want to ask us questions, we would love to hear them and we would love to talk about them on this podcast. So, e- email your questions to dunks and dimes and spell out the and in that. So, it's dunks and dimes at theathletic.com. And our mailbag question uh this week comes from Rowan who's asking uh Nikola Jokic, Trey Young, and CJ McCollum for Luka Doncic, uh, Clint Capella, and Mike Conley. Who wins this deal in your estimation? Yeah, so this is a pretty huge blockbuster deal. And uh, the Doncic factor alone definitely makes that side uh, very interesting. And Clint Capella has had some huge, uh, huge games. 
But I'm going to side with the uh, Jokic, Trey Young, CJ McCollum. CJ just broke out last night when uh, when Lillard was out with back spasms. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, McCollum, McCollum over Conley is a nice advantage for that side. And then Jokic obviously does a lot more than Clint Capella, even though he's off to a slow start. We know that Jokic can really get going and start going on a tear. And Trey Young is definitely... Close enough to Dantich, Dantich that I would side with that uh, Jokic McCollum side. Is there a case uh, that both came, teams could say based upon their team needs that it could be a win for one and a win for the other as well, or is this or is this kind of just a challenge trade where you're where you're trading kind of similar numbers in in just kind of betting on which side's going to produce the better ones going forward? Right, definitely. Uh, Jokic and Capella are two very different centers, right? So uh, this person didn't say if it's a roto league or a head-to-head league. If right. it, if it's a head-to-head league, that could uh, definitely play into it because uh, Capella does obviously get a lot more blocks and rebounds and higher field goal percentage. All right. Uh, so there's your answer, Rohan. Hopefully that helped you out and hopefully helped you out with the rest of what we've talked about uh, this week on the Dunks and Dimes podcast. Eric, uh, before we sign off, uh, what are you going to be watching this uh, weekend in the NBA? Well, I mentioned we talked about the Magic. Uh, they're playing the Pacers tomorrow and going against that Sabonis-Miles-Turner combo in the paint. So that'll be interesting to see. That's that's no uh, easy task. So we'll see how Ken Birch and Mobamba do and then uh, Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon as well. But tonight, Rockets and Clippers should be an awesome battle. Hopefully, Kawhi's playing. Hopefully, Paul George is playing. And, uh, you know, potential uh, second-round matchup or Western Conference Finals matchup, maybe even uh, with those two teams. But definitely going to be watching that game. Yeah, that's definitely going to be a fun one to watch. We're we're taping here on a Friday, so uh, tonight, uh, Friday night, Rockets at Clippers. Check that one out. Uh, good stuff. And good stuff from you uh, on this one, Eric. I appreciate it. Uh, that's our time for today. Again, you can find me at Brandon Funston on Twitter. You can find Eric at Roto Evil. Uh, you can also check out his website, rotoevil.com. I suggest you do that and I suggest you check out his stuff on The Athletic on our fantasy basketball page. And if you want a subscription to The Athletic, Go to theathletic.com backslash dunks and dimes for 40% off. Get you access to all of our uh, NBA podcasts as well. They're ad-free podcasts. Go to theathletic.com backslash podcast backslash NBA. Bunch of NBA podcasts there for your uh, disposal. You can find us on iTunes and on Spotify as well. And if you're enjoying the show on these platforms, please be sure to leave us a quick rating and review. We always uh, appreciate that. So until next week, thanks for joining us on Dunks and Dimes.